Welcome on into the Cougar Tracks podcast. I am your BYU insider, Mitch Harper. It's post game reaction. BYU falls to West Virginia here in Morgantown, 37 to 7. Going to unpack my thoughts, share my takeaways from this disaster of a loss for BYU. It, it was a disaster. It, it was a mess from the beginning. We'll break it all down. You can follow me on socials at Mitch underscore Harper. Also follow KSL Sports at KSL Sports on X, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You know the drill. And subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. So first off, let me say this. Morgantown, pretty cool atmosphere for a game day. I was very impressed with the setup of West Virginia. It's an older stadium. It's nothing glamorous per se in, in terms of the aesthetic of the stadium, Milan Pusker Stadium. But I thought that the atmosphere was very cool for college football, and I thought the people were really nice. I thought the crowd was you know, pretty energetic. It was only 50,000 fans out of a potential 60, but really cool spot for college football. And their student section, though, I heard a lot of choice words in that pregame down on the field toward the BYU football team, in particular Keaton Slovis, who even though wasn't playing, uh, was on the receiving end of a lot of, let's say, not-so-kind things from <laughs> the West Virginia student section. They even had a sign mocking Zach Wilson, and I'm thinking, really? Like, you're going to go down that well? Like, I know he's a, an easy target, but he's still a starter in the NFL, and he's got a winning record this year. Anyway... But all, all in all, I really liked the vibes at West Virginia. I thought it was honestly better than Texas, the game day atmosphere. You know, Texas was a lot like what I would envision a Super Bowl being. Now, I've never been to a Super Bowl, but I feel like Super Bowls, the stories I hear, people that have gone, it's very corporate. It's just not a rockin' atmosphere with diehard football fans. I felt like that was the case at Texas where it's just a bunch of corporate people. They got a free tickets because it was the BYU game, so they didn't really care that much. It just didn't have much intensity to me. I thought Austin wasn't that great around town. I like Morgantown. The scenery is beautiful. It's just really cool. The college vibes I, I think are really great. I went to, on Friday, Kegler's. It's a West Virginia-themed sports bar. Really cool. I just... I like Morgantown a lot. It's a shame that BYU won't be here until 2027, but we now know when the next visit's going to be in the future. So it's roughly going to be every, you know, once every four years, BYU will be out here in Morgantown. And highly recommend Cougar fans showing up to this setting in the future. Hopefully, for their sake, it doesn't turn out like what happened on Saturday. So let's dive into this game. As again, BYU falls 37-7. to Let's start off with the biggest news of the game, that being Jake Retzlaff, who got the start for BYU. Keaton Slovis is banged up. Let's just start there, too. Slovis is banged up. Since that Kansas game, he has been taking hits after hits. Things started to nosedive after that TCU game, in that game, he got his shoulder banged up there, but he just kept playing. And so Jake Retzlaff gets the start this past week, and I feel like Retzlaff did a really nice job. I, I thought 
all things considered, 24 of 42, 210 yards, no INTs. There, there could have been one or two there. I mean, it, it was possible. No touchdowns, 57% completion rate, 99.1 QBR. He also added 10 carries, 26 yards, average of 2.6 yards per carry. I like what Jake Gretzloff brought to the table for his first career start on the road and the first snaps he takes, BYU's already in a hole. I was very impressed. I, I thought Retzlaff did an excellent job. He's mobile. He's a dual-threat guy. I like the arm angles, again, that we were talking about on BYU's extended pregame show on KSL News Radio. I, I just like what he brings to BYU's offense. I feel like there's a lot quicker decision-making happening from Retzlaff, and you just see the power in his throws that – you know, he's a lot healthier than Keenan Slovis. And I would not be opposed to BYU saying, you know what, Slovis, get healthy, get feeling right. We're going to go with Jake Retzlaff the rest of the season. I don't think that would be a bad thing. I honestly wouldn't. I thought Jake Retzlaff was pretty good. And he did. He took a nice step forward to say, I need to be the QB1, not only this year, but in 2024 and beyond. I thought it was a great debut for Retzlaff. It was honestly one of the only bright spots for this BYU team. I thought Keelan Marion had a decent game. He's still got to get better in his decision-making on kick returns. I feel for him that he, he popped one finally. It finally broke through and to start the third quarter, and it gets called back for a holding, an unnecessary holding that didn't even impact the kick. Isaiah Glasker gets called for a holding, and it sends it back. It just, it, it, you knew right there. There was no chance of a comeback happening for BYU. Those are two of the only bright spots that I can think of from the night. Everything else was a colossal failure for BYU. And I think where it starts for BYU, and where it should always start for any team, the offensive line. BYU is a soft football team. I knew that losses would happen in the Big 12. I called in the summertime this West Virginia game being a loss for BYU. I said BYU would go 7-5 and this season. I thought they would start 5-0. and But then I thought the last seven games, it's going to be 2-5. and And I thought West Virginia would be tough because two-time zone Eastern game, never, uh, never a, a, a positive prospect for BYU. But also, too, I thought West Virginia – was a lot better football team than everyone thought. I had them on my preseason ballot in the Big 12 at number 11. I still you know, thought relatively low, but I never thought they were the 14th best team. That's a good football team. It, but I thought that BYU's offensive line this season would make teams feel them for a full 60 minutes. I didn't think there would be situations where BYU's being compared to the Kansas of old in this league. Yeah, that was some of the com commentary from West Virginia folks in the halftime press box. You know, as people standing around, kind of stretching, standing up. They're like, is BYU the, the Kansas of old? Whoa, how far has BYU fallen? That's a frightening commentary because Kansas of old was downright awful. BYU has no physicality up front, none. And what's discouraging is they've got talent. But this team is so soft right now. And I think you start there with the offensive line because 
The offensive line coach, Daryl Funk, we've been talking about it in recent weeks. I think the heat's going to be cranked up to the max. Now, that seat is scorching hot after that performance. I know you didn't have Paul Miley, and you had to turn to Caleb Etienne. But still, the manner in which they performed was inexcusable. BYU finishes with 67 rush yards against West Virginia. That's no surprise. That's just what it's been the whole year. But understand that West Virginia gave up 40 points to Houston. West Virginia has given up a lot of points to a lot of teams, and you could only muster up seven points? BYU's a soft football team, and I didn't think that would happen this year. We all knew losses would happen. But for BYU to be soft with this personnel, that's a drastic turn of events that I did not see coming for BYU in 2023. And it's a scary thought because now you look down the final three games of the season and go, where do you win? You can't win in the trenches. Where do you win? Defensive line wasn't much better. They created zero pressure on Garrett Green. The defense looked a lot like the defenses of old. Can't get off the field. How telling was it? I thought it was a massive statement by Neil Brown and the West Virginia program winning the coin toss and saying, we're going to receive. I just thought, because that doesn't happen often, ever, in college football. You never see teams win the toss and elect to receive. It's, it's never happening. But they said, you know what? We're going to line it up, run it down your throat. Yeah, we're going to get two pass interferences that go our way that probably shouldn't have been called. But still, you're not going to stop us, BYU. And we're going to score. We're going to punch it in. And your quarterback's going to take the ball with a deficit. And that's what they did. And they ate up five minutes of clock. Neil Brown's instilled confidence in that team. West Virginia gets to their sixth win. They're going to bowl eligibility. They're going to be playing Oklahoma next week, and I think they're going to hang with the Sooners. I do. Because West Virginia's got so many options running the football. Jaheim White, who had a breakout performance last week against UCF, he goes for 146. C.J. Donaldson last week got benched at UCF, had a big breakout performance against UCF as well. Then he goes off for 102, and he was banged up in the BYU game. Two touchdowns as well for Donaldson. What's frightening, too, is this score ended up 37-7, but I think it could have been worse. I think it could have been 50 for West Virginia. If Garrett Green was at all accurate as a passer, West Virginia scores probably two more touchdowns. They had to settle for some field goals because self-inflicted false starts by West Virginia and some of the poor passing by Garrett Green. They shot themselves in the foot. It could have been 50, 54. I mean, it, it was just, it was a beatdown. Beatdown by West Virginia to BYU. BYU's defense, they just seemed out of sorts. And look, again, I'm willing to give a little more leniency to the defense because I think Jay Hill knew when he took this job, he probably laid it out to Kalani, hey, this is going to take a few years to kind of flip this roster and improve the personnel. I think the, the losses in the interior of the defensive line, Caden Haas, John Nelson, a lot bigger deal than people would have expected. You still had Jackson Cravens, but when he's having to go the full game, that, that's just, you're going to get tired. You can't rotate him out because the drop-off between Jackson Cravens and Bruce Mitchell is just the size of the Grand Canyon. 
I mean, Bruce Mitchell didn't play in a game until last night. That's just the reality. So I'm willing to give a little bit of leniency to the defense. Max Tooley finished with 12 tackles. Eddie Heckard had 10. You know, but I just think that BYU just never gathered their footing at all. And they can't stop the run. You know, West Virginia ends up with 336 yards on the ground. You're never going to win a game when you give up 336 on the ground. I don't know if BYU is going to win another game, folks. This might be a season where BYU ends up without a bowl game in the holiday season. Who do they beat? I think Iowa State's going to probably be a six-point favorite, maybe on the high end, nine, maybe. The one thing about BYU is that they have been a better home team. To their credit, their two wins in the league are at home, and they're 2-0 and in Big 12 play at home. It's a tough schedule when you have to go on the road. Back-to-back trips, on the road. Let's see if they can, get, they can lick their wounds with the home crowd supporting them late at night, but... Iowa State's not going to be phased by the cold weather. They're going to be like, wow, this feels like a, a nice spring break. <laughs> oh, 32 degrees? This feels like a, like a heat wave compared to Ames. Jay Kretzlaff, though, going back to him, he's got a confident swagger about him. And I, I think he's got some intangibles that you can really, really build around. And look, this isn't to knock Keaton Slovis. Kean Slovis, I think, honestly, has done a nice job for BYU this year. And that Kansas game, I feel like, was the last time we saw him truly healthy. And he put up a 300-yard game with a one-dimensional offense. He's got talent. But the month of October, he's been banged up. The team rolled over and died after his pick six against TCU. Texas Tech wasn't a thing of beauty, but they found a way to get a win. You know, he's done enough, and he's got them in a spot where they're one win away from a bowl eligibility, but he's gone in a month if they don't go to a bowl game. BYU should really want to get a head start on 2024. I think Cougar fans can accept some struggles if you know some of the young guys are playing and getting opportunities to play, and and they're showing you glimpses of what your future holds. Because remember, this team, they all pretty much came together on the fly. Offensive line, quarterback, a lot of the key wide receivers. I mean, Cody Epps has never been a factor this year. He got hurt again. It probably a concussion symptoms, concussion protocol. He has never been a factor. So the wide receiver unit was pretty much revamped. It was just a whole new collection of guys coming together with the portal. And if they're not the top-end talent, like a USC-type transfer portal class, it's not going to be seamless in bringing it all together and working at a high level. Even Colorado's experiencing difficulties with flipping a roster and the challenges that come with that. But if you can get a little bit of continuity at that quarterback spot, and again, I still think at this juncture, you go get a transfer portal quarterback this offseason. But Retzlaff is making a strong case to say, no need to do that, I'm your guy. And I think that's fair. And I think you can get that true evaluation if he starts the rest of the season. Because honestly, Keenan Slovis goes back in this offense, it's only going to hurt him. Because he's not going to look good in this offense. He's not going to put up good numbers. And if he's not fully healthy, it's not going to end well. And look, I know the NFL doesn't care about stats. And they 
they honestly they think who cares about those it's about arm talent things like that and he's got some of that and for him for his sake I want him to be healthy and have a chance to go to the NFL has he done enough I feel like he's shown flashes and moments that he could maybe be a you know day three late day three pick maybe But I know he's a competitor. I know he wants to get back out on that field, and, and he wants to get BYU to a bowl, and, and rightfully so. And if he's if he's healthy, I think you give him back the, the keys and let him ha- let him let him work. But I, I just like what Red Slap did for BYU. Another issue for BYU: LJ Martin was cleared, but never took a snap. That's worrisome for BYU going forward, as the ground game is just non-existent for the Cougars. Wide receiver injuries are mounting. Darius Lasseter, Cody Epps. I was stunned Chase Roberts came back into the game. Stunned. The way he was struggling to get up off the field and he somehow worked his way back, I was stunned. Just floored. I mean, I, I could not believe that. I thought there is no way this guy's going to be back in the game. And how that wasn't a, a helmet-to-helmet hit penalty, look, I'm never – I don't think you ever heard me in these post-game shows discuss the refs. That was the worst officiating crew I've ever seen. At least this year. It's a common cliche in a lot of Big 12 fan bases. Big 12 refs, especially Oklahoma and Texas fans this year, the fix is in. Big 12 refs. I don't think there was a fix for this game because both sides were getting flags everywhere. But it was so terrible how disorganized these refs were. That illegal touching penalty on West Virginia. They were at the 27-yard line, their own 27. Illegal touching, five-yard penalty, should be at the West Virginia 22, right? They thought the ball was supposed to be placed at the West Virginia 40. You're going to gain 13 yards on a penalty? And then it took like six minutes of actual real time, not game action, but real time until the next snap was called ran because they couldn't figure it out they couldn't figure out where the ball was supposed to be spotted so they needed to review things and then they go oh it's at the wvu 2022 yard line this officiating crew was awful they need to be reprimanded for for that performance because that was just downright terrible they made the game longer than it needed to be some of the late hits were questionable, I thought. I mean, the, the Jacob Robinson one was definitely not targeting. It was late. The Max Tooley one, eh. I'd have to go look at that one again. Off memory, it felt like that was, was a little bit egregious, but they were just a quick trigger on ripping out and throwing out that flag on the turf. And, and I hate when refs make their presence felt. I hate it. Both teams. They had a total of 20 penalties in this game. I don't remember the last time I saw a college football game that had 20 penalties called. It was terrible. Yeah, that officiating crew was making their presence way too felt. Both teams weren't disciplined. And I think both coaches would agree on that, but just a brutal performance. A very difficult game for BYU on so many fronts. And what's the easy fix? I think there needs to be some real evaluation of this coaching staff for Kalani Satake. Look, he's he's not been known to do in-season firings, even though I feel like an offensive line, it would be justified. And you say, hey, Braden Kearsley, here's your chance to kind of audition for the job. 
and then you move on and after the season and get an O-line coach. Aaron Roderick, I know, is a point of contention for a lot of Cougar fans right now, and rightfully so. I think the offense has been underperforming a lot this year. But one thing with Aaron Roderick that I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, I think some of the flow and the rhyme and reason of his play calls without knowing the full nuances of what he's trying to accomplish, I'm willing to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I don't agree with the play call on fourth and two, first design run of the game. It's just like a rush call. It's a handoff to Aiden Robbins to the right side. You've got injuries on the right side with Paul Miley. And Caleb Etienne just whiffs. And BYU gets stuffed on that first drive. I agreed with the decision to go on fourth down. I, I completely agreed with that. I thought that was a good decision, honestly. I, I did because West Virginia made it clear, we're going to score on you at will and you're not going to stop us. So BYU needed to keep up. 100% agreed. But you needed to just go to the quick strike passing game again. That's my issue. And I think those are the nuances where you go, okay, that's – Roderick, what's going on here? What's going on? Why are you designing a run, fourth and short? It never works. It never works for you. Last year it didn't work at Notre Dame. This year it didn't work at West Virginia. And there's been so many times in between. It doesn't work. Go to that quick strike passing game. And I like that they did that with Retzlaff. But, again, here's where I feel like I give a little bit of leniency – to Roderick, I do feel like BYU's quarterbacks have all been really good under Roderick, even beyond Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson. Baylor Romney played well as a BYU starting quarterback under Aaron Roderick. BYU has done a nice job at the quarterback position with Roderick since 2018. And I thought Retzlaff was another example of that. And Retzlaff was someone that no one was in the recruiting world talking about. No one. No one was offering that guy. But Roderick saw something in him. I think he'd be a nice quarterback for BYU. Same with Noah Lugo. Same with Ryder Burton. He finds these guys that their recruiting sheet would say, is this a D1 guy? But then you watch him and you go, okay, this guy's got some juice to him. This guy's got some ability to play at a high level. And I think that ability to identify and evaluate quarterback talent, to me, is a saving grace for him. The other aspects of the offense are failing right now. And how they're performing, you could say it's a fireable offense. But I'm willing to give him a little bit more leniency because of that quarterback history he's built up. Because before him, the quarterback stuff was terrible. BYU was struggling. They just were. It was a lot of struggles. I mean, after between Max Hall to when Aaron Roderick stepped into the building – BYU's quarterback play was brutal. I mean, yes, there was Taysom Hill in there, and, and Taysom was masterful in 2014, but it's only four games. And Christian Stewart played well, too. But outside of that, I mean, Taysom had a lot of bad passing games in 2013. You know, BYU had poor performances at the quarterback position. They just did. And Roderick, there's not many times where you're seeing – brutal quarterback play other than maybe this year and even then I just feel like it's because of the offensive line that is the real core of the problems and BYU used to be that violent football team up front they're not and they're soft and that to me is the foundational problems of BYU they have to be good in the trenches they've got talent 
And I think too with ETN, if he's whiffing, just go to another guy. Tyler Little, he was on the travel roster. Play him. Ian Fitzgerald, where's he at? Play him. Go to the next guy. Have you suddenly become a six-man rotation at offensive line where you can't play anyone else? Remember, last year, Aaron Roderick said this was a Big 12-ready unit. Remember, in the preseason, Aaron Roderick said they upgraded in every position, except maybe quarterback. But they were even there because they felt Slovis was going to be so good. Upgrade? Oof, they've regressed in every aspect. So that, that's the problem there. But again, quarterback trends under Roderick have been pretty good. And I'm willing to see that out. But I understand when Cougar fans are getting restless with Roderick because I think it's fair because some of the rhyme and reason of the play calls, it doesn't seem to flow. It doesn't seem to mesh where you're just left scratching your head and thinking, why did they call that? But that's going to do it for this episode of the Cougar Tracks podcast. BYU again falls 37-7 here in Morgantown to the West Virginia Mountaineers. Big thanks to everyone from West Virginia. They made the experience great. They really did. And I love the food throughout the entire game. It was out. It was awesome. They had lasagna, chicken. They had pizza in the post game. Outstanding. They had mellow yellow. I was like, this place is amazing. I, I love Morgantown. Outstanding place. But I will talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast and it's powered by kslsports.com.